0: You know, I always say that if you love my show, please support my sponsors. Well, Belessa.co is a sponsor that you'll want to go and support because all I'm asking you to do is to visit their website, B-E-L-L-E-S-A dot C-O, which is a completely free site that has all kinds of things to explore. Yes, for free. From sensual adult movies to erotic fiction and current event articles, Balesa has so much to offer. They view sexuality through a feminine lens, and I have to say it's so refreshing to see adult content portrayed in this way. So please drop in at Balesa.co and get lost in the incredible amount of content they have to offer for free. Today's show, I am welcoming old friend and sex therapist, Amy Harwick. Amy Harwick. Amy and I met a long time ago when I actually shot her for Playboy and she is now a licensed therapist. Um, She focuses on sex therapy and she's got some really incredible insight that I'm excited to hear about. I always love learning about human sexuality and people's motivation behind why they do the things they do. So I think that Amy is going to teach all of us a few things here today. So let's welcome Amy Harwick to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. And today in the studio, I have Amy Harwick. How are you? Good.
1: I'm so excited to be here. I
0: know. Me too. I should say Dr. Amy Harwick, yes. actually, <laughs> which is so exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Amy and I met, how long ago did we meet?
1: 2011.
0: Okay. So,
1: of, yeah, that, to work together, 2011. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
0: So, we actually, I shot you for Playboy. Mm hmm. Um, which came out awesome, and then I don't know. We just like kind of hit it off, and yeah. we just stayed Kept in, in touch. touch. And then yeah. you ended up. So actually, so tell me what your journey was from modeling to where you are now.
1: Um, well, as I was in uh, my undergraduate program, I went to Cal Poly. Ah, uh, Pomona to study psychology. Um, you know, as you're in school, you're do, you're doing a variety of different things to get through it. So I was a personal trainer at the time, and I started doing promotional modeling work. You know, I was a Bud Budweiser girl and all that kind of stuff, and then ended up doing some shoots and mostly like the pinup and uh, like fashion type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I did a little more of that, and I was a professional dancer and a fire eater, kind of like a little bit of everything. Oh,
0: yeah, I remember, because mm-hmm. I remember that you did like the really cool fire eating yeah, stuff. Yeah, I still do
1: that now, but not really, like kind of for fun in the backyard. You yeah, know?
0: for fun, just, yeah. you know, when you're bored. Just, yeah, yeah. Where's Amy?
1: She's out back eating fire. I showed my partner, because he never saw me do that before. I'm like, hey, you want to see me eat some fire? And he's like, what? And I'm like, hey, <laughs> come here, watch this. He's like, oh my God, that's a great party trick.
0: He just didn't like, know that about you, like at the beginning? No, I feel like no. if— if I could eat fire, like that would I would put that on my Tinder profile. I would that's be like, what I would tell people when I first I, met them. That would be the first like, thing. Be like, hey, I'm Holly, I eat fire. Because yeah. that's so rare. Like No one eats it's fire. It's rare and it's kind of like mind-blowing when people judge you as
1: a woman in LA. Yeah. They're like, oh, what do you do for work? It's like, I eat fire, like yeah. go away. <laughs> I play with fire for for money. Um, so I did all that kind of stuff for a long time, and then I started graduate school um, and just cross paths with you. So the the Playboy thing really came from just a history of modeling and doing mostly like pinup, like vintage pinup. I really mm-hmm. liked a lot and edgy rock and roll clothing companies. Um, and I just thought at the time, if I have the opportunity, if they if I'm approached and I have the opportunity to shoot playboy and I'm getting a graduate degree at that time. I was I think I just graduated. I think I just graduated in 2011 from Pepperdine with my masters and you know I I'm not the stereotypical of what people would think in the past was right. the playboy look even though now there's such a huge variety. Yeah. Why not have that as a bucket list thing? Check, got my graduate degree, I'm going to go for my PhD later, going to do everything I want to do and I can also do this. Right. So I feel like, you know, very was, much a Renaissance <laughs> right. woman, and it's great yeah. too
0: because it's like, you know, and that's where we run up against that stereotype that makes me so crazy. That like, if you're mm. a hot woman, like you can't possibly be smart. If you're smart, you mm-hmm. can't be hot. You can, or not even that. Like, or even sexy. Like you can't embrace like, right. an intellectual and a, and a sexy side. Right.
1: People get very confused if yeah. I if I. Look how I look now and have my glasses on because I don't have great eyesight. I wear contacts. Mm-hmm. People are like, "Oh, look at you, sexy secretary." Like, no, yeah. actually I have a PhD and my own business. I'm not a secretary. No shame to secretaries, but just because I have glasses on. Yeah. That stereotype is so so silly to me. So Um, It does throw people for a loop because when people meet me, because no
0: one ever says to you like, "Oh, look at you, sexy business executive. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you, sexy CEO." In that that funny way, yeah, it's automatically like you know the one office role that like women could only fill back in the day, right in the fifties or something like that.
1: Um, So I like surprising people, and even when I'm being introduced, like with my with my current partner, people will say, "Oh, nice to meet you." are you an actress trying to make it in L.A.? I'm like, oh, no, actually, I do this. And they're like, oh, oh. Oh my
0: gosh! Yeah, I saw that you posted something about going to an event. So just so the listeners understand, because um, so you're engaged to Drew Carey, yes, yeah, and um, everybody knows him as a pretty well-known celebrity. Mm-hmm. So when people see you with him, they assume that you're just like a pretty face, right? Trying to, but they don't, you're actually an educated woman, right. And you have a PhD because you guys went to some kind of event together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was about sobriety and right rock music. to recovery.
1: A yes. friend of mine, um, they were in some rock. Bands in the past, and they saw how much music helps people through their sobriety and in rehab yeah. centers, and helps people uh, with their mental health. And I really support that, so I brought Drew to this event. Uh, and when we got there, of course, people thought he was there; he must be the presenter, right? And I'm his arm candy, and that's it. And mm-hmm. so when we walked the red carpet, I actually asked him to walk with me as my partner, supporting me, right? Um, and. They asked me to step aside, of mm-hmm. course, and I'm like, no, I'm the one invited. And he's like, she actually invited me. She's my PhD-holding therapist partner, and I'm just here with her supporting her. Yeah, And that was really great to hear hear that yeah. as well. Yeah, Because was- when people meet us, they think, oh, you know, she looks attractive, or she's so much younger. She must be this, this, and this, this right. assumption. Right. Um, especially if you're dating somebody who's older or somebody that's well-known. There's this... Yeah, assumption people make, and it's just simply not true.
0: Yeah, it's got to be kind of frustrating.
1: It's definitely frustrating, but it's also really fun Mm -hmm. to put people in their place and say, you know, there has been a few times on Instagram where, after the tablets came out when our uh, engagement was announced, uh, where people that I knew were harmless, like just people online, saying, "Oh, I bet she's." A gold digger. I bet she's, you know, wanting him for this. I'm like, no, actually, I have my own business and I have a degree. Oh well, I apologize. Yeah. So that's been really fun, like letting people know that that's not the case, right? And being right. supported. Um, and somebody that's
0: proud of what I do. Yeah, that's great. That's that's so important. Yeah, to have somebody like by your side. That's mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah. Um. So back to Playboy. Yeah. So back to Playboy. <laughs> so we, yeah, we shot Playboy, um, in 2011, mm-hmm. and I have was just out of school. I think it came out the next year, and um, that was just like a really great experience. It was really positive. I felt really confident doing it. I enjoyed. it. I'm really glad I did it. Yeah. But it's like okay, once and done. I'm good. Right. Yeah. Did that. Moving on. Um. And then knowing you, you introduced me to the publishing company that hired me to write my book. Hmm. So that door opened because of you.
0: Mm -hmm. And if any of you guys are watching the video, we have the book right here. It's a new sex bible for women. And uh, I shot all the pictures, and Amy wrote it. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to be giving away a signed copy to uh, my Patreon supporters. Mm -hmm. So you guys can... I haven't looked at this, honestly, in a really long time. Like I don't even remember... What we did. I remember Cassie was in it. Yeah, I. Or Bobby, because she's crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She, um, uh, Quiver, let me help pick the performers that were the the models that were used. And they said, you know, it's better to pick adult people because they're going to be more comfortable in these positions. We have two days to shoot it all, and we don't really have the time to wait for somebody to feel comfortable. These people are going to feel totally comfortable. Um, in these types of these positions that we want them to be in. Um, so I picked her because I thought she was so beautiful. Yeah, she is. And she looks
0: like. She looks amazing. She, she photographs so great. It's so funny because you wouldn't know looking at her, like the things that she says in between these beautiful photos that we take. I (laughs) love that day. She's so
1: wild. I just, the whole time was cracking up. Um, yeah and it was interesting cuz he was Danny, right? Yeah, Danny Mountain. He is so polite and yes. he had this accent and he was telling, you know, he's in a relationship and she was just really fun and wild and yeah. it was interesting to see their dynamic. Um but I felt like she looked very ethnically ambiguous. You can't yes. really tell how old she is. She doesn't look Super young, you know, you can't yeah. really tell. Yeah. Um, and I like her body type a lot too. I think that it was more relatable than some of the other people I saw on the. Yeah. It was really fun looking at the um, adult agency website to pick someone. Yeah, right? Yeah, it was a really fun experience. My mom was visiting and she's a school teacher, so she actually went through with me and
0: helped pick the people. Ooh. I'm looking at this one, <laughs> one shot where I got like this artsy flair. Yeah, in it's there. very
1: artsy. The yeah, photos we got some really people.
0: great photos in here. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. And they, they
1: they just look like really happy and playful. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the photos. It's really yeah. a beautiful book. I
0: think this is one of the very last um, uh, shoots that I did for Quiver, actually, was your book, because I haven't shot for them in years. Yeah, I
1: don't think they're putting a lot of books out now. It's no. just, I haven't seen anything new.
0: Yeah, I, I think, don't think
1: they're, um, the bigger company, they ended up, I think, just publishing other things under the other, smaller publishing companies yeah. under them, like, House stuff and yeah. gardening stuff. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. It was funny because I had two experiences of shooting people's like books specifically for them where they mm-hmm. came to set, mm-hmm. um, which was you, which mm-hmm. was fine, which was great. Yeah. And then there was this other woman. Oh my god, what was her name? Lillian or something like that. Did I tell you the story mm-hmm. about this completely batshit crazy woman that no. I shot for for Quiver? It was. Um, Like about body language, she's like some body language expert. She's the most horrible person I've ever met (laughs) in my entire (laughs) life. Like it was really, really bad. Like she would sit there and rather than, you know, telling me what she wanted and letting me direct the models, Uh she would be directing the models, which is kind of annoying on one hand. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, she wasn't just directing the models, she was yelling at them. She'd be like, No, "No, change that. Don't change your face. You look stupid. You look stupid. You look fat there. Don't stand like that. Stand (laughs) the other way. Don't you look really dumb there. Why are you sitting there like that? I'm like lady! (laughs) Holy shit! And then she would, um, (laughs) one of the funniest things that she did was, so I always wear um, my camera with a strap that I keep around my neck because I'm always terrified of Mm -hmm. like dropping my camera. And so, you know, I check the back of my camera to see how a shot looks. And she was so, like, anxious about seeing how the shots look that she would Regularly grab the camera out of my hands and pull me into her to check the back of the camera, meanwhile choking me oh my with God. the strap. Like, I'm not even joking. It was like, it was so bad that I actually called in sick on the second day and wow. I pretended like I couldn't make it and I made someone else shoot it. Like, I couldn't handle it. Oh my it. gosh. It was crazy. I've never had an experience like that. Yeah, I didn't
1: do that at all, too. I was so amazed watching you um, (laughs)
0: with lighting because
1: you're so good at setting the lighting up to look perfect and the skin looks perfect. And um, so I just loved watching you and then watching them because she was just so, I mean, she flirted with me as soon as she came in. She's like, You're the author? I'm like, Yeah. What? (laughs) What? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're really pretty. but um, So that was just a fun experience, seeing yeah. just how it all kind of happened and how great you were able to get the shots that you needed and picking the outfits and the props. It was, it was fun. It was yeah. a great experience.
0: Yeah, and, it was, and it's a beautiful book. Yeah. It came out amazing. And
1: I think just because she's brunette, people have said, oh, yeah, you look great on the cover of that book. I'm like, I didn't pose in my underwear on the cover of my book I wrote. That's not me. I mean, I'm very flattered, but that's not me. Yeah. Not, not every brunette girl is the same.
0: Yeah, but yeah,
1: <laughs> but after that, um, I've ended up getting licensed in my field, uh, going for my PhD in human sexuality, mm-hmm. um, and just everything else. Every other door that opened, like the having a book that you've published that's available everywhere, just has opened a lot of doors for me.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's so incredible. Yeah. So you do? Would you say that you concentrate on sex therapy, or do you say it's just a part of your practice?
1: It's really a part of my practice, mm-hmm. um, but most of my clients have something in that bubble that don't I work we all. with don't we, don't all? we all well sexuality is a, a normal natural part of being a human right so let's say you know I have clients obviously male clients that come with, uh, to see me because they have ED or mm. they have uh, insecurity in relationships or that maybe somebody that has a fetish that is not really a problem for them but they don't want to be shamed for it so I have specifically sexuality related clients that come in people with trauma but then if somebody comes in because they're depressed or they had a breakup and then they see that I have this specialty, they're going to be more likely to open up to me about these things that maybe they had not opened up to others about in the past. Right. So even if they don't come with me with this presenting problem, they're going to open up about that topic a little bit easier.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. What is the most common case that you think that you see in terms of like issues with sexuality? Um, with men, two things. It's the erectile dysfunction.
1: I'm saying that with quotations mm-hmm. because a lot of times they may think it's some type of biological issue, but it's actually a trauma in the past, or maybe they're not attracted to what they're actually engaging in. There's Mm. a situation of dissonance where they're in one relationship, but they actually are more interested in another dynamic or style of relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then low self-esteem with dating and sexuality, and men. Because there's so much pressure for men to be manly and take initiative that if you're not that guy, it can be really hard. So for men, that's what I see the most. For women, I have a few different things. I I do work with a lot of sex workers, Mm -hmm. so people that want to come to somebody that isn't going to shame them for that Mm -hmm. and work with them with with that and they feel safe and comfortable. Um, I also see men that see a lot of sex workers Mm -hmm. and want somebody that just understands so they don't have to explain, well, this is what this means or this is what seeking arrangements is. and Mm -hmm. So they know, okay, I can just say what I want to say and I'm not going to spend an hour explaining what this means Yeah, Um, and have a confused therapist then shame them for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people in open relationships. I have a lot of couples in open relationships, which are great to work with because they yeah. already have a skill set to be in that relationship typically. Mm-hmm. So their skills are typically a little bit more developed than the monogamous couples I
0: see. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, about, um, oh my gosh, I just completely lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you about shit. <laughs> Shit. Was it about spaced. sex therapy? Yes, it was. And it was about one of the it was about one of the women cases that you were talking about. What women do Oh God, yeah, with sex workers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Um And when I say sex worker, I'm saying that as an umbrella of anybody that right. works in the sexuality related right, right, industry. Right. right,
0: right. I mean just drink my Red Bull. And I like your Red Bull. That's I, off to the side <laughs> as I'm hiding it from the logo police. <laughs> you should just put it in your coffee mug. <laughs> I know, actually, right? But then, mm-hmm. but then I couldn't drink my tasty water. <laughs> um, so, because that's interesting that you work with a lot of sex workers, because there's been a lot of talk in the adult industry lately about um, mental health and mm-hmm. mental health um, among. Um, porn stars and mm-hmm. sex workers and how, you know, with the whole August Ames suicide mm-hmm. and, and everything that that brought up, you know, one of the things that she talked about was feeling like, you know, when she went to a therapist that she mm-hmm. was shamed for what she yeah. did and that, yeah. um you know, she would say, I have these issues and these issues. And they'd be like, well, of course, that's why you work in the porn industry. Right.
1: Because, the issue is that you're doing this and you must get out of that and then you'll be better. I had a, a couple I had a couple that I saw for a while that were, they were in their 70s and they were swingers. Oh yeah, and I, I loved them. I don't see them anymore. Uh, but the they told us that they told me that the previous therapist they went to go see shamed the wife and said, "Well, the reason you guys are having this issue is because you're slutty." Really? <laughs> like that was actually said. By a therapist. Wow. Um, so I'm really glad they came to me then. At that yeah. point, um, and we worked through what they actually came in about, which is, had nothing to do with their sexual activities, right? At all, right? Actually, um, but seeing women that work in the sex industry, I hear that a lot that they've gone to other therapists and just not told them what they did, mm-hmm. which this is a
0: big part of their life. And, yeah. Um, you have to be honest with your therapist. I mean, I went yeah. to therapy for years and totally lied. <laughs> and it didn't get me anywhere. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know how people tell me later on, like, you know how I told you I did this thing for a living? Well, I'm actually a stripper, and yeah. you know, that's sorry I lied the past year, but yeah. here's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes it takes a little bit of, of time for someone to feel comfortable, um, sometimes right away. Mm-hmm. But what I do see, not only just like any person, uh, people that work in the sex industry, struggle with depression, anxiety, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times, especially with women, asserting themselves Mm. to whether it's their agency or who's managing them or on set and standing up for what they want or what they feel comfortable with. Um, So when I work with them on issues related to being a sex worker or being uh, an adult performer, typically it's about self-assertion, which is something anybody would deal with in the workplace,
0: Mm -hmm. especially as a woman. Do you think that they are perhaps more susceptible to that, because they are in general by society shamed for what they do. Absolutely. And so then, therefore, they feel like they don't have a voice. I think that could profession. play into some
1: of it. Um, and just like some of the cases you were just talking about, being more publicly shamed mm. um, and just getting like a hypersexual type of comments from men all day, and then also getting shaming comments online. A lot of the online stuff can really tear people down.
0: I was going to ask you if you've noticed like, a noticeable difference in people's mental health or you've had new kinds mm-hmm. of cases or problems come up because of the proliferation of social media.
1: Absolutely, with um, just online harassment, mm-hmm. especially with the laws having to do with that and stalking laws, harassment laws. Somebody can just go to your page and harass you every day, Right, say things that aren't true. And there's really, it's very, very difficult to make that stop or to hold people accountable for it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like before, where people, if they came and knocked on your door and said you're terrible, okay, well, you're trespassing, yeah. Or if people published something in a newspaper about you and you knew who it was, you could, you know, say that this is not there's true. There's some like, there's, there's, you can
0: do something about there's it. There's some responsibility right. being held there, whereas people online, now are just there's hiding,
1: right? It's anonymous, and also just online, it's not taken as seriously, right? Um, so receiving that level of harassment will wear you down over time, and I think people that are out there in, publicly in the adult industry, as opposed to sex workers that are maybe not in the public eye, I mm-hmm. think those people receive that much more criticism, Yeah, which will wear you down over time.
0: Yeah. Would yeah. you recommend then to people, like, what do you recommend to people when they're dealing with that, to just kind of step away from?
1: Yeah, that's that's been helpful, but it's tough when your business is driven by yeah. promoting yourself. So sometimes it's outsourcing other companies to run accounts for you so you're Mm -hmm. not seeing every little thing, if it's getting to you. Some people, it doesn't affect them in that same way. Sometimes it's just stepping away a little bit or just being more responsible about social media use, which for everybody that's an issue. I see that in my non-sex worker clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. I remember, this is kind of random, but I remember watching the South Park once where there was a whole (laughs) episode about About uh, Mm cyberbullying. And um, basically, (laughs) Cartman goes and he posts these like shirtless pictures of himself or like in his underwear, like from the gym, like online. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, because he's fat and gross and he's Cartman. He gets all these like mean comments, mm-hmm. and then uh, PC principal. Did you watch South yeah, Park?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I haven't for many years. Okay, so I don't know so if I've seen this one. But-
0: they've taken on this new. So there's a new principal who's very PC, and mm-hmm. he makes Butters um, basically go on through Cartman's social media and delete all the mean comments. Okay, so he can only like, and so like it's the joke about creating the safe space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and i was watching this and i was reading it and i was like laughing at it mm-hmm. cuz it just seemed completely ridiculous and they've like steven Seagal on who's like apparently like <laughs> a big victim of cyberbullying i don't mm. know anyways but it did make me think about how maybe for some people like cuz i don't get that much first of all mm. i don't get that much negativity because i think i don't put myself out there in a way that mm. like a lot of like the nude models do right. so you know i don't i don't get that kind of feedback but i also too don't have like 2 million followers right you know so um but some of these girls, when I've looked at all the comments that they get, you know, mm. and it's like almost uncontrollable, like the thousands amount. Thousands and thousands, and thousands of thousands. comments,
1: I mean in an hour. Yeah, and yeah. they'll
0: go through and they'll read this stuff and there's just like all kinds of fucking nonsense. A lot of it's not constructive criticism. Right, a lot it's of like, it's just ridiculous. It doesn't, doesn't dumb make sense. Right. And I just wonder like if that maybe isn't... Something that you could have somebody else do, and Mm -hmm. just like kind of go through every once in a while, and just take out the shit that just doesn't need to be there. I don't know. know.
1: Yeah, I feel is that like
0: being too protective of people. I don't
1: think so. I think that if people, because if you if you um, flag a comment, typically Mm -hmm. it gets taken down. Yeah. So, um, there was a girl. Actually, we probably both. I know you know her. Kim passed away. Yes, uh, a few months ago, and. There's like gossip about her online. I've met her a few times. We've hung out with friends Mm -hmm. just a couple times. She was always very nice to me. Yeah, she was always really sweet. And the comments after she passed away on her Instagram were just awful. Yeah. And you know, if it, it's so tragic that she passed away and she was young and she was really sweet. yeah. Um, regardless of what she may or may not have been involved in, it doesn't matter. Right. If she was or wasn't. Like who cares? Yeah. But a lot of the comments were these people saying these terrible things about being a whore or you know, mm-hmm. glad you're dead, things like that. And I just went the next few days cuz I have friends that were very good friends with her and mm-hmm. I just took it upon myself. It's been an hour or two and just blocked every or deleted uh, flagged every comment that was just so nasty mm-hmm. cuz somebody passed away. Yeah. So you know, this, you know, it's just the the level of disrespect that people have for other human beings. Yeah, is pretty terrible. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you can hire a PR company mm-hmm. to do things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was just I don't know it's something I've been thinking about lately. I'm like, you know, is that is that like kind of is that like pussing out? You know? Um. No, I or mean, is that but that's your like, space. Like you yeah. have the
1: right to control that too. Right. Your Instagram isn't. A public place, like you right. can make it private, yeah. Um, which some people with big accounts do, or you can go through and flag something or hire somebody to do that for you know not a lot of money, you know? yeah. So, if you want a safer space, you can create it. But unfortunately, being out there like that puts you in a very vulnerable position. That's yeah. something to also just be aware of. This is a vulnerable position, and that can affect you,
0: yeah. It yeah. just seems to be so more intense these days with the internet and with social media, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems to kind of never. This never-ending barrage of insanity. Yeah.
1: And I think what becomes more harmful too is, let's say it's a, a nude model or a, a webcam model or something mm-hmm. like that where they're at home all day in front of their laptop yes. and then they're on, they take a break from being on a laptop to being on their phone mm-hmm. and they're taking selfies and promoting themselves that way and people like that, I have clients like that, they don't leave their house mm. and they're constantly working yep, and they're just in front of a computer and a, a cell phone. Yeah. So they're only in front of these screens. So if people are talking like that, that's all you hear. Yeah. So when I work with clients like that I'm like let's make a self-care plan to get out, go hiking, disconnect from that. Spend time with friends that and realize that that's not the the whole world.
0: Right. That's right. just
1: one part of the world is the online world. Yeah, because it becomes
0: yeah. very much kind of like a bubble and people mm-hmm. start to believe that like This is reality, but Mm -hmm. it's like these are like random people from random parts. You'll Mm -hmm. never ever meet these people. Right. Like these people are not like a part of your life. Mm -hmm. People take that so incredibly to heart.
1: Right. And the people posting it, I don't think they really realize the effect that it actually has on people. There's, I love Black Mirror. Have you seen Black Mirror? Yes. Okay. There's this, it's not even my favorite episode, but it's the episode with the bees where they go in people's noses. No, I haven't seen that one. Okay. So there's this episode where these robotic bees go up people's noses and their brains kill them. Um, and it, they find out, spoiler alert, they find out that these bees were actually being programmed by Twitter by people saying death to somebody, which ends up being a fad. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just, oh, death to this famous rapper, because I don't like him. I'm just going to say this. Mm-hmm. Well, the more people that tweeted this, the more it became programmed in these robotic bees, and then they killed that person, right? Um, and so they end up going these detectives to figure out who who's posting this stuff that they don't realize has the power mm-hmm. to end up hurting another person so severely. And it was like a school teacher and all these people that you would never guess yeah. would be nasty like that. But that yeah. is what it is. It's the the normal person yeah. sometimes just being nasty. Yeah, and we don't. Put the personal responsibility mm-hmm. on ourselves when we feel it's anonymous, and that's a whole societal and cultural issue is when we feel that we can be anonymous, we're not held accountable for the harm that we inflict on others right yeah.
0: right well, what what advice would you give to somebody who's interested in getting into sex work, whether or not it be webcamming or mm-hmm. modeling or anything like that, like mm-hmm. as a therapist who's... Yeah. How to protect yourself. Right. You know, who has experience with Mm -hmm. people who work in that arena?
1: Yeah. I would say doing a lot of research Mm -hmm. um, and just understanding what that means culturally, what the risks are, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people will get into that work and then end up having an issue later. I've just shot Playboy. That's it. I've Mm -hmm. never done anything else nude. Um, I did that because I wanted to. I didn't really advertise it, and I'm glad I did it. Mm -hmm. However, even now, I've had a couple people come uh, and make comments at me. I had a job criticize me for it before, even though it's totally legal to do. Yeah, And it was, you know, how many, six... Seven years ago, right, um, and I've definitely been criticized, and I've had doors close in my face because yeah. of just doing the one thing that was, you know, very neutral to me, very bland. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know,
0: hypersexualized. Know. It's so funny because yeah, to me, like <laughs> yeah. Playboy's like nothing. I'm like, you yeah. may as well just had your clothes on. Like, right, it's like shooting for Target.
1: Right. that's like, To me, like, right, that's for you, well, like. yeah, I know. I don't <laughs> your think- real
0: house is a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah, that. that's true. I don't think like most people, but to me, I'm like, it's just Playboy. What's the big fucking even, deal? Even my
1: parents, when I, I asked them, I said, I don't want to do it unless my parents say it's okay. Uh, my mom did some research. She said, go look on the website, look at the magazines, tell mm-hmm. me what you think if it's going to be a problem. I don't want to do it. I don't want to cause my family yeah. you know, uh, pain. So my mom called me the next day. She said, you know, it just looks like a bunch of women in the rooms taking their clothes off. <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of what it is. Yeah, they're just like getting undressed, and they look really comfortable. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> they're
0: just getting undressed, and they look really yeah, comfortable. I'm like, that's so you'd be awesome. okay if
1: I did that? Well, if that's all it is. Yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay, that's awesome. So I got
1: my parents' approval. That's good. to do it. But but for women that want to go into that, just doing research to what the consequences are as mm-hmm. far, and even if they're not fair, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that just aren't fair. Um, I read an article, forget what uh, adult. Actress wrote this article. Somebody, I think, from the '90s, but they said, "I really didn't realize how much doing this at this point in time would follow me later, and it has closed a lot of doors on possible employment." So, I mean, all these movies that you can buy in these now there's not VHS tapes, but mm-hmm. DVD like compilation. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't own the rights to them, so her content is everywhere. She mm-hmm. got paid just for that day. Use that money to live.
0: You know, responsibly. Especially now, because with the internet now, the content really is everywhere. It's everywhere and forever. As opposed to before, you're not getting
1: residuals. Yeah, it's not like a, like a target commercial where yeah. you're getting residuals. Oh, yeah. every time it pops up, ching. That's yep. not what's happening. So you use that money to live, even if you are responsible with money. And then you're everywhere. You're not getting the money for it, and then it's harder to get a job because you're out there like that, right? And that's a risk. And that's not all the time. Um, I have a friend that was dating somebody that was an adult years ago, and she went and got some engineering degree, moved to another state, and nobody at her work has any idea that she was like the biggest uh, adult person in this one specific genre. Mm -hmm. It was pretty extreme. No one even knows. She was able to just move on, do another thing, whatever. But that's not always the case, and I think that can be problematic. And The criticism for parents that have done it, it's really unfair, and uh, a lot of legal cases where that gets brought up, so yeah
0: you know it was so interesting. I was talking to um somebody the i won 't say who she is, but she, it was uh really kind of genius, so basically she was a porn star, mm-hmm. and um she was married mm-hmm. to and her husband was not in the business, and he wanted to have a kid, and mm-hmm. she told him that the only way that she would have a kid is if he also did a porn scene, so in case they ever got divorced he couldn't hold that against her in a custody battle.
1: Wow, right, did you do it with her?
0: yeah. Oh, and then okay. he also, I think, did it with some other people too. Yeah, like it, it, it was a very interesting. short, short right. stint. But I was like, "That's kind of genius." That's but also interesting. In a yeah, way,
1: but but if it worked for them, yeah, whatever. are they still together? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still then not together. a problem. Yeah, not a problem. And sometimes it's not a problem unless it's a problem. Right. Um, I have one friend recently. She's in her 30s. Um, her Ivy Labelle, I think, is her okay actor name. She just popped up last year. And I've known her for a long time. She's in her early 30s, and she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I she used to do makeup, and I said, "Oh, are you still doing makeup? I'd love to get your advice on some makeup things." She's like, "No, I'm doing porno movies, and I love it." She's like, "I did it on sets for 10 years. I thought about it over and over and over again, and I decided to make the leap." And she's like, "Been nominated for awards already, and she like loves it. That's amazing. And she's totally aware of all the." Yeah, I mean, and, you to know,
0: talk about like somebody who definitely got some training on the ground. I mean, right. working as a makeup artist in the industry for that long, being exposed, you see to it, she knows everything. She knows, yeah. and so she you hear all the stories from the girls. I mean, mm-hmm. makeup artists are like the models' therapists for the first oh, yeah. hour and a half that Absolutely. they're in makeup. Yeah, makeup artists know more than like anybody else on set. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's
1: good hearing that too. That you know, there is a stigma of people going into this because they have they're desperate yes. or because they. And that's not that could be the case. Just like any any other industry, yes. but that's not always the case. And yes. some people. Do research and decide this is something I'd like to do and Mm -hmm. they do it and that's okay.
0: Yeah, no, I've definitely seen a lot more of that recently. I think as, you know, society has become is becoming more open to the idea of sex Mm -hmm. and has become we're slowly becoming more progressive and it's becoming more mainstream. I'm seeing people that are coming into the industry with Mm -hmm. a more like business minded idea of like Mm -hmm. what they're gonna do and have a very specific career path Mm -hmm. and, and and recognize, you know, the the Social, it's a
1: social risk, yeah. and that's that's what to take into consideration because that does right. wear you down and it can really affect you. However, if you're aware of that social risk, but you also have a good business plan and you're going into it, I think you were on a, a documentary mm-hmm. that, that discussed that or kind of looked at that different business plans of different women, like Hot,
0: hot Girls Wanted, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. um, and talked about you know being your own boss as. There's a a part of that that's very powerful. Yes, and if you plan it out correctly, and you know the industry, and you know how to make an income, and you can manage that, Mm -hmm. that's great. That's not always the case, though, with anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the things that get stigmatized about adult industry are also issues that happen in a lot of industries.
0: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a shame, really, about the stigma that surrounds people who work in the sex industry, Mm -hmm. especially because. You know, porn is something that everybody consumes Mm -hmm. consistently. Right. Do you ever uh, have patients who have porn addiction problems?
1: They come for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's something that I'm very careful with, just like sex addiction, because Mm -hmm. that's not a diagnosable term. So Mm. a lot of times men will come in and say, my girlfriend says I have a sex addiction, I need to get treated for it. And usually when I dig a little bit and figure out what's going on, it doesn't even meet the criteria for compulsivity. It's okay, he watches porn here and there, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't like it. Right. That's not a porn
0: addiction. <laughs> that's
1: not even addiction, that's not even compulsivity. That's, yeah. You're in a relationship and you don't agree on what what is okay or right. you have different values, and that's a relationship problem.
0: What do you think would be the earmarks of somebody who had a porn addiction?
1: Well, We would call it compulsivity, and if they have okay. compulsivity issues, like let's say they are engaging in anything, in this case watching porn, mm-hmm. multiple times a day, they're not going to work when they need to go to work, they can't engage in a, a healthy relationship because mm-hmm. of their desire to watch or engage in the things that they're seeing in that specifically. Mm-hmm. And that, that does happen, you know, when people oversaturate their minds with a very specific thing that they see in a, a film and then they try to replicate it in real life and it doesn't work and they go back to the film because it's easier. Mm-hmm. That's a compulsivity problem that they could be having. Okay, But that's definitely not most of the cases that come in that right. i see when i've had clients with compulsivity issues it's typically not just with porn it's like it's with everything webcam and porn and sex workers and then maybe gambling and then right. also history of alcohol so i see the compulsivity and addiction type behaviors in a big umbrella right. of issues it's typically not this guy just can't stop watching porn
0: right it's linked to other things other he's issues got, with
1: compulsivity right yeah. so he's just
0: got addiction problems and that's mm-hmm. just one of the symptoms. Typically, of the root. that's what
1: I see. Yeah. yeah. And most of the people that use the terms sex addiction or porn addiction that come to me would not even fall into that right. label at all. So right. it's re educating them about what's normal and what's healthy and mm-hmm. what can be okay in a relationship, how to communicate that. If you have a partner that doesn't want you to watch porn at all mm-hmm. and you love watching porn, that's that's a problem. You have to talk about it. Yeah. Or maybe watch porn together. I suggest uh, for clients to watch it together if one person likes it and is unsure of how a partner will, will handle it. So mm-hmm. um, you know, watch it together. Have the partner that's unsure pick out what they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not as exciting, but yeah, that's okay.
0: Try to start somewhere,
1: right? Start somewhere and and see what that person could be interested in because it can be a very healthy tool as yeah. well, depending just like anything how you use it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been one uh, of your more interesting cases that you've gotten? Um. Hmm.
1: I don't know, I feel like everybody's so interesting. I'm such a, I love reading about human behavior. I love mm-hmm. learning about all different types of walks of life. And because of my specialty, I think almost most of my clients could have like a movie about their lives. Yeah. Because I hear not just the overlying issue, but I hear all of these parts of their lives that they never have told anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really think I have one case that, that sticks out. And I can't really talk all detail. Yeah. No. But even as an overview... Um, yeah, I, I I think I think all of my clients that I see are very interesting. I like seeing how my poly and open and swinger clients are able to be successful in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that's always the the best part for me is seeing people succeed. Do you ever feel like you're like you pick up things and learn things from some of these clients that you have? Like oh yeah, things that you can apply to your relationship, your day to day.
1: Maybe not as much to my relationship, but my, definitely day-to-day and just mm-hmm. hearing about different people's experiences and what has worked for them. I take book recommendations from my clients a lot. They'll mm-hmm. say, well, I'm currently reading this. I'm like, what's that? Let me write that down. Um, you know, and A lot of my clients have specialty degrees or areas that they work in, so if I have clients that work in film, they can mm-hmm. recommend films to me. But just even hearing about people's lives all the time, I think everything you hear and you expose yourself to can enrich your own life. So of yeah. course that, that does help,
0: yeah. I love I love human sexuality. I just think it's so interesting and it's so multifaceted, and it's so complex. It just seems to like, you know, all, all the different fe- the way you see it manifests itself, and all the different fetishes that are mm-hmm. out there. You know, and oh, everything yeah. that I see is just so so fascinating. So, if someone was to want to read up on like a kind of general book about human sexuality or something that would just be really riveting to them, mm-hmm. besides your own amazing book, oh, definitely read um, my definitely book, definitely your <laughs> book. But would is there like any I don't know. Get good it starter book to read. It
1: depends on what what they're looking for. I okay. mean, my book is very like basic, and not, I'm not using it like millennial basic, but like <laughs> it's very
0: like super basic. One o
1: one o one. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's like the Joy of Sex or the New Sex Bible for Women. It's pretty much like a covers everything very lightly mm-hmm. and gives suggestions of where to go if you want to go deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Pretty much when I have clients that want to learn about maybe open relationships or sexual biology, I
0: recommend Sex at Dawn a lot. I really like Sex at Dawn. I love that book. You know, I had Christopher Ryan on my podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah,
1: he's great. He he reposted a picture of me. I posted a picture. Sometimes when I read books, I post Book yeah. pictures. Uh, and I geeked out when he reposted the photo because yeah. I think he's so cool. Yeah. So no, yeah, he's that's super great cool. that you were able to yeah. interview him. He has
0: like this cool like little place up in Topanga Canyon that we drove up to. Yeah. Remember Ernie? Ernie's like, yeah, that took me forever <laughs> to fucking get there. <laughs> um yeah, it was that. So i biological. Was,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes sex at dawn gets clumped into things to read when you're poly, mm-hmm. Um, but it's really not. It's no. just to look at well, this could be this way or this could be that way. Let's not make a hard, rigid rule about how we think sexuality evolved. Let's be open to many possible
0: ways. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I loved about it. And I loved um, just seeing the different ways that different cultures and different people mm-hmm. embrace sexuality. Yeah, because I mean, I'm in a monogamous relationship and mm-hmm. I have no intention of being poly or mm-hmm. anything like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, for me, it was just, it was a fascinating right. book. And it was funny too, because I remember when I told my boyfriend about the book, I'm like, I don't get nervous, but I'm reading this book that's like a study of like why maybe humans aren't naturally monogamous. I'm not trying to like talk you into right. an affair. And he was like, okay. But being able to recognize that this isn't a biological function,
1: but it's more cultural and it's mm-hmm. also a choice. Yes. So I'm in a monogamous relationship as well, mm-hmm. but I recognize this is a choice because this is something that I feel works for me. Right in my life it works for my partner and his life and mm-hmm. and that's okay mm-hmm. um, but it's just a choice if you feel like being poly or swinging or whatever it is is working for you then that's great
0: yeah yeah what i found, what i really liked about his book was the way that like there was so much about female sexuality that he talked about which is so much has been so repressed by society mm-hmm. for such a long time that like there's so much going on like bubbling I think under the surface. I mean, it's we only recently
1: that we've actually right. been. It's more in uh, the Western cultures mm-hmm. acknowledging that women even have a sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that in medical textbooks up until what 100 200 years ago, they mm-hmm. wouldn't even put the the clitoris in the medical illustrations. Wow. It's like it just didn't exist. It wasn't there. Yeah. Um, And most of that's because they didn't want to look at cadavers, they didn't want to look at women's bodies, the people that were making these illustrations. So Mm -hmm. a lot was just left out Mm -hmm. about women. Wow. Which is such a disservice to women's health, women's reproductive health. Right. Not to have the right kind of care, not to have the right kind of medical information. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just reading it, even like it almost made me feel like sexually hung up myself. You yeah. know, which I like, kind of. always But we are in this culture. But
1: then I am in this country, even in Southern California, compared to like San Francisco, mm. we're a lot more conservative. Yeah, um, I practice in West Hollywood, so I practice in a very liberal area, mm-hmm. and still people have these conservative or more repressed feelings about their sexuality, what it means, and especially as a woman. Yeah. Um. So I think that we're getting better in our culture there's more space for those types of things mm-hmm. but we're not there
0: yeah yeah so what are you doing these days are you mostly like seeing patients mm-hmm. and I have a private practice in West Hollywood so okay. I see patients full- time uh-huh. uh, which is great
1: so mm-hmm. I see people like four or five days a week pretty long days and mm-hmm. um, again some related to sexuality some not. depression and anxiety mm-hmm. change of life stuff uh, and then I write here and there or I'll get called to consult about articles. Jump on podcasts here and there. Yeah. And I have a few other things in the works. I've been like throwing around like some outlines for another book idea, Mm -hmm. mostly focusing on like sexual responsibility, which I think there's a big lack of information out there about what that means. And, um, whether that's knowledge about sex education or how to set boundaries, mm.
0: um, yeah, it feels like consent is like a big issue right now, right now. with the Me
1: Too stuff and yeah. all that movement. Consent, um, and also being able to articulate yourself as a woman. You yeah. see a lot of stories of women saying, "I felt violated and I felt so frozen. I couldn't say something." Yeah. Um, so being able to give people the tools so they feel more comfortable speaking up or know how to do that because yeah. it seems like people don't have the tools. You don't. You don't get that in school.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because that takes me back to the whole story with the. Oh, I can never pronounce his name. Aziz, Aziz Ansari, Aziz. Yes, whose
1: book you. I like. I thank like you. modern romance. I actually recommend that
0: to my clients. I haven't read it, but um, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole scandal, and mm-hmm. there's just been so much debate back and forth over whether or not, you know, she should have articulated her, you know, mm-hmm. her desires more or how she really felt or she should have left or whatever. Mm-hmm. And her whole thing was like, well, I was dropping all these hints and you didn't take the hint. You didn't mm-hmm. get the hint. And. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting story that was, I feel like there's a glaring it lack of communication. falls into this gray area yeah. and these
1: stories that come out that still are presented in ways that are... Feeling is equivalent as Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this story, but Aziz sorry too, and James Franco too. Well, okay, these are different, mm-hmm. but these are still important to talk about. Yeah. We weren't there. We don't know what happened. So yeah. saying she should have done this or he should have done that, mm-hmm. we weren't there. We don't know. Right. But it does raise an important conversation about people articulating themselves, knowing their boundaries, and also for men. I see a lot of male clients mm-hmm. and that are single and trying to date and having a hard time dating, and they're like, do I have to have a contract out? Yes, I can touch your breast. Yes, mm-hmm. I can kiss you with my tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, and right now, unfortunately, I think verbalizing as much as possible to protect yourself
0: mm-hmm. is important. Yeah.
1: And it sucks that it has to be that way. Yeah. But if you're a male, to protect yourself, you may need to do that. You yeah. You need, need, need to err on the side of caution. Right. And I think that's a good way to think with anything, with dating and sexuality, there's especially when wrong. it's casual. Yes,
0: there's nothing wrong with necessarily taking it a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah,
1: and and even if that, let's say you do want to hook up on a first date or mm-hmm. just have casual sex, there's no shame in that either. Mm-hmm. But be aware that if you don't know somebody, you don't know what their background is, if they've had trauma. You don't mm-hmm. know what their issues are. Mm-hmm. So when they're giving you this body language or this hint, you might not pick up on it. Mm-hmm. So if it's casual, you are taking more of a risk because you don't know them. right? And that's the that's the iffy part. But it just erring to the side of caution, whether it's taking it slower or also just articulating everything for now. Mm-hmm. Because you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, especially I have uh guys I see that are young and they're in open relationships and you know, they have a quantity of sexual encounters, mm-hmm. like multiple times a week, meeting people online and they disclose that they're in an open relationship, they use protection, but for somebody who's not familiar with those lifestyles, mm-hmm. they might feel uncomfortable with this and make right. a complaint against somebody. Right. So right. just being very cautious.
0: Yeah. I remember it's funny when I first met my boyfriend, I tried to sleep with him on the first date and he wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one who was like, let's wait. Let's Wait! I want to make it special. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It was so funny. It was Like the complete opposite. How
1: long did you end up waiting then?
0: A day. I got him. Oh, next.
1: Okay.
0: I got him on the next date. Are you kidding me? There's no I'm way. I like got
1: for it. I got him. Yeah. And I'm like, like I got him. It got him, him on that next. I mean, I got. I managed
0: to blow him that night, but fuck, dude, it took me forever? I mean, it was like, some serious. Did convincing. you have to like
1: ask him, like, can I, like, will you let me do this if we can't have sex?
0: What? Um, I think I just kind of. I don't remember. I don't think I was that. Exp- I don't think it was that explicit about it. I just think <laughs> I just kept going for it, and eventually he gave up.
1: And you've been together how long now?
0: <laughs> Almost two years. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And I
1: have uh, like female clients asking me, too, "Well, how soon is too soon? Well, th- there's no yeah. rule. There's yeah. no rule. People hook up on the first date, stay together forever. People yeah. wait many, many months, and it doesn't work out.
0: I personally just feel like it's all about that connection. Like either you have it or you don't. Right. I've never believed in the whole like oh make him wait. You know what I mean? Well, it's if it's like, a
1: game, if you're Making him wait to prove a point, then yes. you're playing into a psychological game that plays yes. into a cultural issue. Yes. That hurts women doesn't help women. What, yeah. Okay, what game do I have to play to get this guy? Yeah. And that, that becomes unhealthy. And I try with women that I see to help deconstruct that. Mm-hmm. Instead of what game do I play? Because my friends say, wait five days, or wait seven days to call him, or you know, I have to do this to make him want me more. Okay, well, what feels authentic to you? Right. Right. Do you feel authentic? being sexual quickly or do you feel more authentic waiting right and that's it
0: yeah i agree with you i think it's just like whoever however it works for you and i mean you know i've i've definitely slept with guys and then not heard from them again but that mm-hmm. was okay cuz i actually didn't care to right. hear from them again and i've totally <laughs> and been, that's fine and that was fine and yeah. i've totally been rejected before and yeah. you know it's just all about like it's just not gonna you know what I mean? It doesn't make me less of a person. Just right. because somebody's not interested in me. They just like for me I try to look at it as like, well, you know what, I appreciate that he didn't waste my time right. and, and drag me along and And
1: it's all practice, yeah. whether
0: it's sexual
1: skill practice or mm-hmm. even knowing what you like and what you don't like.
0: That's mm-hmm. what dating
1: is about, that's what sexual exploration is about. Every time you hook up or you go on a date, you're eliminating what works and what doesn't for another future partner.
0: Right. You're not gonna
1: meet the love of your life, your lifelong partner, your first date, the first time you have sex. I mean you could, but it's very unlikely. Right. So it's all practice. Yeah. Just to make you better and more insightful about yourself. Yeah. When I work with people that have issues with their sexuality or connecting to their sexuality or maybe trying to understand why they don't feel good or do feel good about certain sexual situations, I'll have them make a list of their three best and three worst sexual experiences, not just like how the sex was, like mm-hmm. the penetration or whatever, right. but what feelings came about it, you know, mm-hmm. what factors were then influencing what felt good and what factors were there when it felt bad. Right. And that can give some insight to maybe what's going on. With why they're coming to me,
0: yeah. So because maybe they had some kind of traumatic experience when they were a could kid be trauma,
1: or-, or maybe they maybe they do realize uh, when I have casual sex I don't feel comfortable, or maybe I realize when I've been drinking and then I have sex and wake up and my memory's foggy, I end up feeling very depressed, or mm-hmm. you know, just looking at the factors around the discomfort yeah. and what they mean to that
0: person, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Amy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you. (laughs) So, guys, make sure you pick up um, her book, the new sex Bible for women. Um, I think it's available on Amazon, right? Amazon, Barnes and Noble,
1: Borders, all the bookstores. Yeah. If you can actually find an actual bookstore, these know, days right? they're so rare. I know it's so. Sad. I saw one at the Beverly Center the other day. There's an Amazon physical bookstore. Oh
0: really? And it was like
1: seeing an oasis in the desert. And oh I was in there God. for like an hour, and I walked out with a bunch of books. And you actually get the Amazon Prime discount if you have Amazon Prime and you go into this bookstore.
0: Isn't that kind of ironic though? Because Amazon's probably what killed bookstores, and but now then they're it had making a bookstore, book which
1: actually I applaud. Thank you, <laughs> yeah. Amazon. Because I miss bookstores, but I, please put a coffee shop inside. Um, so it's available at all those places that anywhere that sells like a major retailer of, of books. Fantastic, my book. And then, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Dr. Amy Harwick, A M I E H A R W I C K on Instagram, Twitter, but I don't check. Twitter, yeah. so don't bother. Um, and I think Facebook. All of them are just Dr. Amy Harwick at my website. Awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. I can't believe I talked a whole hour
1: without mentioning my cat. By the way, that that's like <gasps> monumental to me. So, and I know oh, you're no. a pet person too. I know. It's a good thing. It's and a we good didn't
0: thing. talk about your love of uh, taxidermy either. I know, and I'm getting new
1: stuff too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shit.
0: Have you it's a seen, um, it's okay, i never go to order on this podcast anyways. Um, have you seen, a, you've seen um, Crap Taxidermy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, That's the website. So good. I, brought, so good. I bought my friend
0: that book the other day.
1: Yeah, I don't have any like rogue taxidermy or really bad taxidermy pieces, but I am buying from a friend um, a goat that stands upright. It's on, uh, made out of one of those big Barbie doll things that are like three feet tall, mm-hmm. but it has a goat head and he's wearing a fancy Victorian outfit with tights. Oh my God. And his God. name is King Lewis. It's a, like an art taxidermy piece. Oh wow! So I'm, I'm getting that. That's, that's coming. And You're then I also send me a picture of that. It oh, he's so fancy. Creepy. He's so fancy. So the, the problem is now. I live with my partner. I live mm-hmm. with my fiance, and that's not his natural. Thing that he likes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, how's that been working out for you? He likes
1: pop art and eccentric things, and then I like very macabre. I'm always like taking him to cemeteries and stuff, Uh which like he actually does enjoy. One of our first few dates, I made him go to Forest Lawn Cemetery in Glendale. Mm -hmm. Actually, has a great art gallery, and they had a David Bowie photography exhibit that has nothing to do with death. Inside the, the, the cemetery. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So I, take I love it, cemeteries too.
1: Oh, you have to go to the Forest Lawn okay. um, one. I'll There's actually a Peanuts, like the cartoon, the Peanuts. Yeah. There's a Peanuts football exhibit inside this art gallery right now in Forest ah, Lawn. Interesting. So, and then I took them to a lecture on cats. And he, you know, he'll he'll do the, he'll humor me, but he'll actually have a good time. But there's a fine line. Like he's fine with me having human bones that are old; they're all ethically sourced, so all yeah. old medical stuff from like the early 1900s. Right. Um, but with when anything too macabre, he's like, not nah, not in this house. So there's a fine line there. But Has we he actually, seen the goat yet. He likes the goat because it's funky. Okay. Anything that's like a little funky. Okay. He'll be into. Okay. Um, so he likes the goat uh, and most of my other stuff. He likes, but I I have it. Section I have it kinda quarantined and My area.
0: Yeah, you get, you get, like, <laughs> instead of a man cave, you get, like, your woman cave. I do, I have a woman cave. literally actually filled with bones, And which I created is kind of it, like, a
1: Victorian, like, bordello lounge. That's oh, that the, with, like a, like, a wolf taxidermy head and all these things. And most of the things I found are either, for sure, ethically sourced. Maybe mm-hmm. they died naturally, and then mm-hmm. somebody, you know, did their thing with them. Or they're so old mm-hmm. that they would have ended up being trashed. Yeah. So I recently found a, um, I was given a bear rug from the early 1900s, and somebody went and cut his paws off after it was made because the paws are very valuable. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this poor bear was probably killed in the 1800s, mm-hmm. made into a bear rug, and then um, like destroyed by somebody that wanted this valuable part of his body. And he just looks like a mess. And everyone's like, just throw that thing in the trash. I'm like, no. And so I had him restored. Wow. I had doctored him all up and, you know... So I think sometimes uh, I like rescuing yeah. old pieces of art and like taxidermy preserving and preserving memory. them. Yeah, cuz I think it gives honor and you know I think the the fascination I have with taxidermy and I collect a lot of kind of like macabre death stuff mm-hmm. is just a reminder of being alive right. and showing honor to people that have been alive or things that have had life and have passed and uh, I like that so.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I like that too. That's a good way that's a nice way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah, I don't see it as dark or weird. I see it as yeah. a way to honor life. So, um, but yeah, my section of the house is actually my my woman cave is pretty pretty creepy. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that.
0: That's so unique. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on, and um, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can follow me on. Twitter and Instagram at Holly Randall. And if you want to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. See you guys next week. That was a great, very educational episode. Um, I loved that we covered everything from the power of female sexuality and women needing to own their sexuality and to shed the shame that has cloaked female sexuality for so long to. What a porn addiction is and how to recognize the signs of that and how to deal with it. So, thank you so much, Amy, for coming on. That was a really interesting episode and we appreciate your time and congratulations on your engagement. Next week on the podcast, we have the one girl that everybody has been asking for, Madison Ivy. Yes, she is here and we have an incredible episode coming up for you guys. So, make sure that you do not miss it next week on Holly Randall Unfiltered with Madison Ivy.